welcome, welcome to the Run With Us podcast, your show for everything Chicago Bulls. And now, your co-hosts, Michael Lavalarte and Kevin McKenna. Welcome back, Bulls fans. Episode 6 of the Run With Us podcast. I'm Kevin. I'm joined with my co-host, Mike. And we got a great episode today. Uh, Kind of another one of those dry weeks in the NBA. Not really much is going on. No real big Bulls news, but, I mean, that's quite all right. It gives us the opportunity to have a little bit more fun, um, be a little less technical, and just talk about, uh, you know, all things Chicago Bulls, not just necessarily the most recent news that's going on in the in the Bulls realm. We could talk about whatever we want. Exactly. Because we don't have to cover, you know, the Bulls signing Andre Drummond or anything. But, uh, yeah, no, exactly. You know, last week we talked about the team, how it's been led to where we are today. I think that was a fun topic, um, you know, going over the start of the rebuild after Jimmy and then how we got to the team today. So you got anything in mind you want to talk about today? Yep, I've got something very specific that I do want to bring up. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Before that, I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you've seen that you think is worth mentioning bringing up? Not really. Like you said, it's just really been a uh, a nothing week for the Bulls. In the NBA in general, besides Harden signing his contract, there's been more trade talks between some star players, but obviously nothing about the Bulls. Yeah, Still nothing about Kobe White. I think you know. really the only real thing that we have gotten is – Damar in the Drew League. That's the only thing. Was that, that when was that last one? No, it was last week sometime. Damar and LeBron playing, right? Oh, that game specifically yeah. with Damar and LeBron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that was the main one. Damar's been there a couple times. We saw Trey Young and John Collins in there, and they yeah, lost. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know how, but yeah, but that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was. It's it's cool when the the NBA players, um, you know, join the the hooping community like that because you know Drew League is a big part of the LA hoop culture, so. Those guys giving back to the community and you know showing up for the fans, the players. It, it's it's really dope to see. It reminds me of uh, KD when he went to Rucker Park and uh, I think that's New York, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was just that that that'll always be famous his performance there. So it's always cool to see those guys in the off season, you know, using their platform, saying, "Hey, let's you know the fans give the fans what they want to see." So it's pretty cool, you know. You see the the captions and the comments on those videos. You get home from your nine to five, and then all of a sudden you're guarding LeBron in the dream. I mean, yeah, those people, those people are part time hoopers. Like they're part time hoopers playing against league guys. Like yeah. not just league guys, like LeBron James and Demar Derozan. And then like the next week you gotta guard Trey Young and John Collins. Like, come on, man, give these guys a break. No, I but they figured something out. Like the, the LeBron and Derozan's team barely won, and then Trey and uh, John Collins team lost. So. Well, yeah, I mean these are no bums. They're, no, they're no, but like. These are, you know, like it's kind of nice because these guys from the NBA go and they're all cocky and thinking that they're just gonna walk all over the players. And for the most part, that's usually what we see. LeBron was pretty much able to do whatever he wanted. DeRozan was getting his buckets, but you know, it's those guys they play hard and they uh, they get and they try to get in your head. We saw DeRozan and LeBron both get into it with some of the players there. Credit to them because you know they're on the biggest stage when those players come over there, and they know in the off season they're gonna see a lot more action because the NBA players are kind of bored. I'm sure you saw Draymond Green chirping uh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Draymond. Draymond's always doing something. Speaking well, of Draymond, actually, he tweeted today about well, he's why he was watching the Bulls versus Jazz finals from the 90s. And he was like, oh, the based on what I'm seeing, 
the 17 Warriors would have beaten the Bulls and then beaten the Jazz by 40. And that's why he's saying you can't compare eras because they're just different eras of basketball, which I do agree with. You can't really compare the eras of basketball, but I still don't think the Bulls would, would have lost the Warriors that year. No, I, don't I think, think that so. Bulls team was just we didn't we weren't able to appreciate that because I wasn't alive during those years. But I think that if we would have seen that team and the way they were coached and the way they played together, I think that we would have seen something that we've never seen before. Right. So I decided to bring that up. Too much grit. Draymond's, uh, you know, he's always saying stuff, but. He's right about the eras, but I think that the Bulls would have still taken that series. I'd have to agree with you. There's just, although that it's no question the talent has evolved and will continue to evolve, um, that 96-97 team (laughs) or that 97-98 team, I mean, the talent, the grit, the hustle, it's just the, the composition of that team I don't see. I don't see right. the Warriors beating them. Warriors are a great team. That 17 Warriors team, honestly, all the Warriors teams that we've seen over the last, you know, half decade or so, like, they've been insanely talented, but they've had some problems on those teams, and, you know, they've been able to get the job done a lot, so not going to take anything away from them. But, right. you know, KD, they, they signed him, and he was great for them, but he almost messed up everything they had in terms of, like, they kind of almost had to stop their dynasty because of the KD situation. And then... Um, you know, they've had, you know, guys like Harrison Barnes, Wiggins come through. They've had a lot of turmoil. The, the Bulls, we you know, it was my, MJ and Pippen and then Tony, obviously, and Dennis Rodman. So, like, they had the main core. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get into comparing, but like you said, the, just that team was just built different, I think. And obviously, with, when you have the GOAT on your team, it goes a long way. But enough about that. You know, that's in the past. You said you had something really specific you wanted to bring up today. I think the Bulls fans are waiting for that. Yeah, I think this will be really fun. So, I kind of just wanted to talk. I just wanted to have a conversation about what you and I, as Bulls fans, remembered the most fondly. Like the things that brought us into Bulls fandom, um, some of our most potent memories. Um, just really trying to like strike a nerve within the other Bulls fans. Right. No, I like that. That's fun. I can, I'll go first. Uh, one of the games that I went to, this was a while ago. I think it was back in um, ooh, maybe 2008 or 2009. And it's weird because I remember the score. It was 120 to 90. The Bulls beat the 76ers. And Kirk Heinrich set the franchise record for most three-pointers. Yeah. I was at that game. He, I think he hit like six that game. I can't remember. It was a long time ago, but I just remember like watching him and it was like, whoa. Like we went at a, we were, I was at a game where, you know, a franchise record was broken. And obviously, every Bulls fan can agree that Kirk Heinrich is a fan favorite. So to see him do that live, was, it was something. And I was too young to appreciate what was actually happening, but still thinking back about that, not just the Bulls won you know, by a blowout, but Kirk Heinrich breaking that franchise record for the most three pointers. You know, it's Kirk Heinrich. Like, he came, you know, he, he he made himself in the NBA. You know, he didn't have, he wasn't a number one overall pick. You know, he wasn't the flashiest guy. But look at him setting records for a franchise. Yeah, Captain Kirk, man. Captain he, Kirk. he was the best. So, but I was curious, like, what was the, I know it might be hard to remember, but do you remember the team specifically that maybe the first full season of Bulls basketball that you watched or followed religiously. Do you remember what that team was? Or maybe what made you start following the Bulls religiously? Other than the fact that, of course, we grew up in Chicago. 
Um, well, that's a good point because I had this old book from when my dad went to a game. It was like one of the old game programs. And it was like from the 2001-2002 the team. And Elton Brand was the rookie of the year that year. And the the this is when the Bulls were in their dog years. Just post-Jordan era, like terrible team in the NBA, like one of the worst, going through a huge rebuild. Brand was obviously the guy that the team was going to build around. We know how that ended up. But the players on that team, like going through that book, I was like, it was kind of like my first interaction with the Bulls. It was obviously a few years after that, but my dad was just showing me these players, and you know, none of those guys really did much in the NBA and stuck around with the team. And it was amazing to see, like, these players that, like Tyrus Thomas, like the, these old players that the Bulls were playing with after the Jordan era, and it kind of sucked to see how quickly the team fell off. And and obviously, I'm. It's easy to say because I'm from Chicago, so I was going to be a Bulls fan no matter what. But that was my first real interaction with the team. And then that Kirk Heinrich game was actually my first game that I went to. And, you know, then we got D. Rose. And once I started getting seriously into sports and basketball, then I've always been such a big Bulls fan. But the first, those are the first real Bulls memories I can remember. Seeing Kirk Heinrich and, you know, set that franchise record in person. That was the first Bulls game I ever went to live. And then, you know, me and my dad going over these. The, the Bulls roster from, like, 2002, 2001, something like that. That's my first interaction. Then I was like, you know, basketball is just such an energetic sport and an electric sport that you really can't – it's hard not to fall in love with the sport. And then when you got a team like the Bulls that you're cheering for, it, it makes it that much better. Right. And that's the thing about it, too. So I'm 20, you're 21. So we're not going to have the same – I mean, for lack of a better word, we're not going to have the same upbringing with the Bulls as a lot of other Bulls fans. Yeah. Um, a lot of other podcasts. It's it's different. We weren't around for the the Jordan era. The golden years. The golden years. <laughs> we we were not even on this planet. So it's it's a little bit of a different perspective. When we became Bulls fans, we... For most of us around our age, I would say it's probably right before or during the Derrick Rose years. Yeah, yeah, that's when I became serious with the Bulls. Right, like you said, like they they sucked up until then. There's a reason they got Derrick Rose. They were bad, <laughs> and you know he brought a lot of attention to the team. And you know he got drafted 2009. Yes, 2009. 2009. So we're eight years old. I'm eight years old then. Don't know a whole lot about basketball other than that you just shoot a ball into a cup. You know, the Bulls are a team in Chicago. But then you see hometown kid get drafted, and he's so good right away. That the draft was fixed. but You don't have to tell anyone about that. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I'm happy it's, it's, it was. It stays in Chicago. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like you said, it's just we're in a different era. So, we, you know, when we're young, we didn't have, you know, some kids born in the 90s, like, you're born and you're like two years old going to the Bulls parade because they just keep winning every year. And then you remember that for when you get older, but we didn't have that. So oh, yeah. once we got good, we took that and ran with it, man. Exactly. I mean, when I first started watching, it was, you know, Ben Gordon. Oh, yeah. Like that, that was the beginning. So my dad had always been a massive Bulls fan. He moved, he's from Ireland. He moved here, moved straight to Chicago, um, met my mom and, from that point on, it was like work bulls and his family. You know what I mean. So, 
an absolute diehard Bulls fan. He would go back when the United Center allowed it. Um, you got the nosebleed seats, and then you got the standing area behind the seats, and that's where my dad would go sit. He would spend money, and and he just and he couldn't get any playoff tickets, but he would always find a way to get into these regular season games. He would go sit up in the nosebleeds. Um, he would stand. He would stand up in the nosebleeds behind all the seats, um, which is rows of people standing. It, you know, it, it didn't matter if you could get a seat or not. You wanted to go watch Michael Jordan. You wanted to go watch that era of the Bulls, dude. Think about that. How good that team was. That people, like you know, people that really couldn't afford tickets would would work all week. They they get their check and they they bring their families to the games because. You know, they'd say, all right, you know, this week I'm going to put my whole check. We're going to get – we got to go see the Bulls. That's how good they are. You, you you just couldn't miss – you had to see them at least once. Like, it's amazing to think about. Like, people would go like like your dad. He'd go up there, stand for four hours up yep. at the top of the United Center just to watch, you know, guys shoot a hoop, a ball into a hoop. I mean, you can barely even see the court right, from up there. Exactly. It doesn't but, matter. But you're still there, and you say, you know, I got to see Jordan play. I got to see the Bulls, you know, the Bulls that went 72-10 and 10 in that year, the, the Bulls that won six championships over – eight years, you got to see them play. And it's, it's you know, you got to take a second and think about what that meant, that team meant to the city. Yeah. And I, I wish I could have been there for it. You know, it, we really missed out on not just great basketball, but an historic run in all of sports. You don't see teams like that anymore. Wow. So, so then obviously, you know, he comes to the city and Chicago Bulls are the, you know, the biggest thing, especially in Chicago sports at that time. So, like I said, he'd work all week, go watch those games, and then it eventually came to the end. I was born in 2002, and then things as a Bulls fan were not as exciting from that point. He had a hard time filling the first section of the United Center. <laughs> so, obviously, first years of my life, not watching much basketball. Trying to, I don't even know how to walk. So, not watching much <laughs> basketball, but... Um, I think the the first year I really cared about it was maybe 2010. So you've got the 2010 season. You know, obviously Derrick Rose at an all-time hype at this point. I think it was the first Bulls jersey I ever got was Derrick Rose, like many of us, especially many of us my age. Um and I feel like once I started watching the first game of the season, the second game of the season, I'm like, oh, crap, I, I'm not going to miss a game this whole season. <laughs> I don't have any responsibilities. You know, I'm like eight years old, kind of like you. I don't even – I don't understand the ins and outs of basketball. It's like we talked about last week um, about maturing as a basketball fan. That's the point where it didn't matter. You could sit there and you could just watch your favorite most athletic players – uh, the best shooters, and I mean that's all you really cared about. You didn't care about the thirteenth man like we do now. So Derrick Rose, um, the two thousand ten two thousand eleven season, we had Carlos Boozer, um, Omar Ashik. He a was deep team. What's that? It was a deep team. It was. I mean, we had Luol, Obviously, we had Kyle Korver. Do you remember John Lucas the third? I do. And Joe Keem, Obviously, how could it? We had the Red Mamba. <laughs> Red Mamba, C.J. Watson, Kurt Thomas, that 
that's the first roster that I knew uh, in and out. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like I said, I didn't necessarily focus as much on the role of every single player like I would now. Yeah, you just want to see him play. But I just want to, yeah. <laughs> you just want to see Derrick Rose dunking on Goran Dragic. Like Exactly. <laughs> um, hmm, he's on the team now. <laughs> so I think that was the first full season. That's that's when I, I mean, it's pretty typical, right? Derrick Rose, um, Derrick Rose gets drafted, plays a couple years, you know, he's in the height of his career, and that's when you, that's when you get hooked. Yeah, and then, it all gets taken away, but um, okay. Well, we don't have to go dark on that. Well, you know, we had <laughs> Derrick Rose. We got to enjoy him for a few years, and then his knees gave out on the guy. I'm so glad that he's still playing in the NBA. Like, could have been a lot worse. Dude's had a quality career in the NBA, won an MVP, but he could have been so like he could have been a, a like a generational talent, and his knees failed him. Feel bad, you know. We could have had something real special in Chicago. Not just on Derrick Rose, you know, we can get into a whole ordeal about how we were let down. But but anyway, like you said, Derrick Rose is really, for most Bulls fans our age, about 2021, 20, you know, he's our real first, like, our first love with the team is Derrick Rose. Yeah. Because he's the hometown kid, doing it for Chicago, winning MVP. Like, I remember when he won MVP, I was like, wow, you know, we don't get, it's rare that your team gets the MVP of that year. And I think... The only other MVPs from Chicago that we've seen since then are Chris Bryant and um, uh, I want to say Patrick Kane won it one year for the for yeah the, I'm sure for the Blackhawks. But like for when Derrick Rose, I just remember like I remember going to school that day and like the MVPs came out. I was like, wow, you know, Derrick Rose MVP. That's insane. And everyone's talking about it. All your friends, you're like, dude, you, you watch. I'm like, you know. This play, this play, just going over highlights from the previous game, and like, it, you know, as a as a young kid, like you know, you said eight, nine, ten years old, it's like it's all you care about. Man, Derrick Rose is something, you know. He's yeah. You see, he put up thirty five yesterday. You know, he's dunking all over these guys, making it look so easy. And then you're like, damn, this sport is is something, and this team is something. And you know, the Bulls built a good team. We were what contenders in the East for, we're, us in the Heat, us in the Celtics for for a few years there, and that was so entertaining to watch, but. It's also funny to think back then how a slasher like Derrick Rose, you know, a player with the mindset of getting to the bucket first, could have been so impactful. Obviously, it's nothing new to the NBA at that point, but where we've progressed as a league, it's so much different than it had been. So perimeter-oriented. Exactly. Everything's about shooting and, you know— Drag, uh, you know, dribble penetration, passing out to the open shooter. And, and like you said, thinking about how D. Rose made a living, like he won MVP off of attacking the basket. He won MVP off of shooting as a taking a backseat. Because he, and the problem is, if you can do it like like he could, then maybe you can win MVP too. And we've seen it with Russ. You know, Giannis is obviously a guy who goes to the basket. You know, but that's different. But that's different. Like Derrick Rose, he's only six three, not the biggest dude, just pure athleticism and, and talent. And you know, can like to to be able to to hit the acrobatic layups and do the dunks that he did and and be so successful as it that he won MVP. That's impressive, man. Yeah, I mean, 
do you remember his jump shot, man? It was nice, but he would jump so high. It's also so much different than you'll see players, especially like shooting the mid range. Just, I mean, I guess the mid range is a slightly different, right? You want elevation in your mid range jump shot. I mean, you see with Demar, but the way he plays as a whole is just so much different than everyone else, and especially so much different. Than modern day players, he plays athletic. That's why he just like his plays jump athletic. shot is the jump shot of you someone can, that <laughs> wants to run and dunk it. Exactly, you, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. You can see the athleticism yeah. within his shooting form, <laughs> and there, you know he was never known like Eric was never a bad shooter. Like he can hit shots, but he just wasn't known for his three point shooting. He was just so good at being around the basket that, that that's what he became. You know, every time he got the ball, it's like all right. He'd bring it back out when he gets the switch and just run to the basket and, you know, cradle the ball, do some crazy layup, stuff like that. And like you said, it was just different at that time of basketball because that's what most players are doing. Just get to the basket, draw a foul, you know, make the layup. No one can stop you. Now, like you said, just shooting. Obviously, it's still about getting to the basket and getting easy looks, but the balance of shooting and and, you know, attacking the basket is a lot different than it used to be in the NBA. So I, I don't think I don't think a guy like Derrick Rose, even at his prime, would probably – I don't think he'd be able to win MVP today because he just wouldn't be putting up the scoring numbers. Yeah, I completely agree. It, we've come pretty far in, you know, 10 years, less than 10 years. You know, Bradley Beal, what, two or three years ago, averaged 30 points a game and wasn't even in the MVP conversation. No. <laughs> Like that's how insanely that's how insane the offense is this this day in the NBA because everyone's putting you know these star players are putting up some guys are putting up eight nine thirties a game so that's a potential for what if you're shooting forty percent hitting three or four of those every day that's an extra ten points that you're putting up right that's what I was gonna say I mean it really is as black and white as that the fact that more players are shooting threes more players gonna average more points. Why do you think the cent- the only centers that are in MVP conversation are ones that can hit threes? The stretch ones. The ones who can stretch you the floor. Embiid and Jokic are probably two of the best shooting big men in the league besides Cat. You know, Gobert, there, there's so many good centers in the league, but they're never going to be MVP conversation because they, they're averaging 16 points a game. And <laughs> It's just so much, so different. Than it is. It's, it it's crazy to think And it about. hasn't been that long since. No. Ten years, man. Not even. Not even. Since you got Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook emerged. Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, John Wall, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you get you know, then Curry Curry. comes in the league, Damian Lillard, um, you know, now Trey Young. It's just it's just a different the the art of the mid range and the attacking the basket is it's a dying it's a dying art, but you know, it's the way the NBA is trending. Everyone's so athletic now that you know. You can't exploit your athleticism anymore because everyone is athletic. <laughs> like, it's it's hard, you know. You even see with, I mean, Kyrie Irving. So he he's one of the best finishers in the league. Um, he's so crafty. Obviously, we know his handles are insane. He can get to where he needs to go. Once he gets to that spot, he's so versatile with both hands. Such an athletic, acrobatic finisher. But even there's a reason that he developed a jump shot too. I mean, he's had one, but there's a reason that he focuses just as heavily on his outside scoring as his inside scoring because it's not the same as it was. You you can't be a one-trick pony. 
nowadays it's like coming out of the draft and when you're looking at players and doing evaluations, it's almost like shooting and defense are the top two things. We don't care about, you know, we'll figure out the playmaking, we'll figure out the, the, the handles, we'll figure out, you know, decision-making, but if you can shoot and you can play some defense, you got a spot in the NBA. You know, I, I it's always been like that. Like, obviously, shooting and defense are always valued, but, you know, there's player, there's teams that, that would oh, rather have a 3 and D line. player yeah. and just, you know, a good role player than, you know, take a risk on the guy who have real talent. And, and, and that's just because it's, you know, been trial and error. You know, you draft guys like Dennis Smith Jr. and got a lot of hype coming out of college, but, you know, unfortunately, like, he can make the dunks, but he can't lead an NBA offense. So it's it, it's like this for a reason. And, and NBA executives and coaches and front office guys, they look for what they're looking for because you see the championship teams, 3 and D players, that complement your stars, and that's just how it goes now. And it contributes to the to the new era of basketball. And I'm sure in 10 years from now, it might be completely different again. 10 years from now, it might be just go – you know, it's a it's a it's a revolving door. It might go back to just we might be seeing you know everyone just trying to do dunking on each other and and everything's cyclical exactly. even basketball. Um, I mean we, but I don't know about the shooting. I gotta be honest. Shooting will be here forever. Yeah, but I think the shooting will be here forever. Maybe it'll be more prevalent the the slasher mindset, and you know another decade. Maybe it'll be more valued to get valued again, but you know why it's going to be more valued because it's going to be more people like Giannis. Yeah, it's going to be seven footers with that ability to handle the ball, get to the rim off the dribble <laughs> from the top of the key. That's it's just built different. That's days. why. Well, that's what it is, yeah. right? It it's it's always happened it, as we've progressed as a league. First, you know, you get more athleticism. Then you get more size with athleticism. Yeah, because, you know, obviously training has evolved. and Players, players more skilled. Right, at an early age. Like, yeah. you're getting high schoolers that, you know, that are, you know, dunking at freshman year that are, you know, not even that tall. or You know, and now there's all these leagues. There's all these ability, you know, ways for players that are young to, you know, train themselves and grow their athleticism, grow their game. So the talent coming out of college is so good compared to what we used to see, you know. Now, basically, the entire first round, like, every player that gets drafted in the first round is expected to be a contributor. Yeah. You know, it used to be, like, the first 15 picks or so, and then everyone else is just like, all right, well, you know, he's a late first-round pick, so it doesn't really mean too much. But, you know, when when guys get drafted, like, you saw Jordan Poole, like, what? He got drafted at the end of the first round, and now the Warriors are relying on him to be one of their top scorers, yep. either in the lineup or off the bench. So... It, it, I mean, it's we're, we're really just appreciating the flow of basketball evolution at this point. But you know, when there's nothing else to talk about, I think that it's it's good to just sit back and like appreciate basketball. And, and obviously, some people don't like the direction it's headed in, and it's become you know such a shooting oriented league, and you know guard heavy, wing heavy, and centers have basically become almost irrelevant, besides a few players. But mm-hmm. Like you said, we got it's a, it's all a cycle, so it all revolves around you know. In the old days, it was the centers dominated the NBA. You know, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem, you know, all these players that are Hall of Famers and legends. And then the new era ushers in. You get the three point line, and then oh man, it's just like all right, who can shoot the ball? Who can you know run an offense? Stuff stuff like that. So you know, it it's just good to appreciate. 
how the game has changed and the direction it's heading in. Stepping back from being just it's, a Bulls fan. I mean, it's definitely, we know it's a guards league right now, especially because of the shooting. And honestly, another decade from now, I could see it being a center-dominated league once again. But in contrast to, you know, the 90s, early 2000s, now it'll be the most skilled centers you've ever seen, the most skilled yeah. big mans. You'll, yeah. It's going to be, now I don't, I can't predict the future, but I see. Joel Embiid type players being a lot more common than we see now. These unicorns, dude. It's going right. to be like, it's not going to be centers NBA anymore. It's going to yeah. be like lineups of these guys. Like, yeah, it's just. You might have seven foot point guards the way, like, I forgot his name. The guy coming out of France next year in the draft. Like, he's what, what, 7'4? Yeah. And he's moving like Kevin Durant. Like, yeah. these players are. Here's gonna my. Be crazy. Here's my Ben Simmons, 6'8 point guard. Here's my 6'10 shooting guard. <laughs> and then. My three to five are seven foot plus. The days of six one point guards gonna be uh out the door, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, that's um I mean you're always gonna have if you can shoot, you can find a spot. Yeah, in the right. League. If you like, can I, if you can get the ball in the hoop, you'll find a spot. Right. NBA, but but it's gonna be a lot harder. Yeah. Especially when Thomas, man, I miss <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're gonna be guarded by exactly like I just said, you're gonna have a lot more point guards like Ben Simmons who are quick, play incredible defense, can handle the ball, hopefully can shoot a little bit better than him. Sorry, Ben Simmons, but I don't know. It's going to be much different. Everything's cyclical, though, so everything's going to come around. Probably going to go to a more center-orientated league at some point. But it actually made me want to ask you something else, the cyclical part of the NBA. Um, a little more silly, but a little bit more fun, I think. So late nineties, no, I'm sorry, late eighties, we saw short shorts. Oh, I like this. Okay, her, uh, you know, early nineties, still pretty short, get a little longer. Um, I say throughout the nineties, they kind of above well, the knee, above like, the yeah. knee, right? Until you get to like the very late nineties, maybe like. 98, 99, then they get probably right at the knee, and then you have early 2000s where think, they I, are going. <laughs> I think of the AI. Shins. Like, as soon as AI came in the league, I yeah. feel like it just went the baggy the clothes, shins. The, baggy, uh, the baggy shorts. So we've got that, and um, obviously as the 2000s have progressed, we've gotten shorter, shorter, shorter. Now short is the new style once yeah, again. Yeah, you got guys balling in, like, short shorts now. I mean, yeah. Hey, they're comfortable to you play. You know, rolling up the waistband, yeah, right. so your shorts, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's more like I, I like a, you know, like a, a five inch inseam more because like, it, it, you feel freer. I don't like the baggy pants. I, I haven't worn shorts no, over uh, my knees. In, I know you don't, in, but that's because we, we're 20 years old. Yeah, we no, don't. no. I'm saying like, I agree that that's that's where we're at right now. So, 10 years from now, where are our shorts going? I, I don't think they're ever going back to the long shorts. I think that. That style is completely out the door. I know. I know a lot of things are you know cyclical, but I just can't see, you know, with the the way people are so into this new style, I can't see the, the shorts going that long, especially like early two thousands, like that, like we were talking about. Oh my gosh! And n- not even just the shorts, like the clothes, everything the clothes, was just everything baggy. Just like now it's flowing. about you know now everyone wants to show off their figure. You know, you're trying to look something that's form fitting. So there's no way that we're going. LeBron James rookie year draft night suit, you know. (laughs) 
So next question. Do you think we'll ever see um, sleeve jerseys again? I like those. Those are cool. I don't know. that that That's something that I can't really predict because I think that every year these teams are, like, rebranding and Nike sponsors the jerseys now. So they're, we might see them in a, in a couple years for just as an alternate jersey, especially if, like, they do a fan campaign. I think fans will call back, you know, call for the, those jerseys to be yeah. brought back because I know fans really love them. I um, like the black The black Bulls we jerseys, we wore yeah. those in the playoffs on the road games every time. Those are nice. So not as not as big a fan of the gray ones. No, the gray ones. Eh, those were that was a 2016-17 season, yeah. or maybe the fifteen sixteen sixteen seventeen because uh, D Wade that was D Wade right. year. Yep. But yeah, like I think that there's a good chance those come back. It's like fifty fifty shot. It, it could or it couldn't. Like, but I would be happy if they brought back sleeve jerseys, even if it's just for a year, because those were cool. And Christmas I think jerseys. Christmas jerseys, I'm a huge fan of. I love the Christmas jerseys. I, don't I just know wish the Bulls them. would play on Christmas. That's all I want. But can the Bulls play on Christmas? You would think, right? I th- this year we should. We should. We I should. But it's always Lakers, Warriors, you know, all the 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 big teams. But the Bulls are there now, so I want to see the Bulls on Christmas Day. I want some crimmy Bulls. I want some crimmy. I want some crimmy Zach. Crimmy <laughs> some, Zach. Okay. I want some Christmas Demar. You know what I mean? <laughs> crimmy B- the ball Zach. And obviously Christmas Vooch is is what we're really waiting Christmas for. Christmas Vooch. <laughs> but uh, you know, after he gets back from dropping off all the presents around, <laughs> yes, I just called Vooch Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, you made me lose my train of thought. Oh, Santa Vooch. So Christmas jerseys. We talked about that. I'm trying to. Th- I feel like there's something else we, the NBA got rid of the uh, the headbands, like the they got rid of the. I know that's not the really ninja a, headbands. The ninja. I love those. Like Jimmy Butler on the 76ers wearing that. Drew Holiday. I remember wore those. I I, I think that that was not cool to bring up to to ban those, but yeah, that's not a big deal. No, no, headbands. yeah. I like those. Um, I like the rule that you can wear whatever color shoes you want. You don't have to wear your team colors. Oh, I hate that. Why? I, because it's Zach Levine. No, because he always is wearing no some other shoes. <laughs> I, it's not that. So, and let me just put this out there. I have no problem with any NBA playing player wearing whatever they want. Okay, I, that's not what I'm arguing against. Or wearing any brand of shoe they want. I have no problem with them promoting their own shoes. Obviously, so it's not about that. I just wish there was a little bit there's no reason for the bulls to come out in their beautiful red jerseys <laughs> and for Zach Levine to be wearing a green shoe there's no need <laughs> for it bro i get i get it i get it wear all black shoes all white shoes all red shoes a combination of the two a combination of the three i don't know where <laughs> these guys have the best style in I mean, these the basketball players have the best style, I think, of out of any sports. Now, obviously, football players are flashy, like, for sure. But the NBA players, like, it's just part of the culture. You got to look good for the tunnel walks. The tunnel walks, <laughs> you got to look good. It's part of the culture. They have the best style. Why are they wearing green with their – it doesn't make sense. I, I think it's because players are so involved. Orange shoes. Players are so involved in, like, shoe development now and like every player has like almost not every player but a lot of players have their their own custom shoes and it's really about showing the creativity and and just 
standing out. It's not like, yeah, I get it. It doesn't look good on the court, but I, I, I think it's cool to allow players to to have their own style and creativity, you know? Like, you could wear any shoe on a given day, you know? You could wear a shoe that, that has a message written on it. Like, anything you want, you could wear. It doesn't have to be just your red shoes because not every, you know, you're playing 82 games a year. How many pairs of red and black shoes are you going to have? You know what I mean? Like, obviously they have plenty of shoes, but. I mean, Vooch wore, like, three different basketball shoes all season. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like, <laughs> he doesn't have them. Much of an option. He's got his red ones, his white ones, his black ones, and then he's got that those other orange. His orange those, shoes, like, yeah. <laughs> those tangerine colored ones. Yeah, but Vooch does whatever he wants. Because Vooch is king. Yes. And Santa. And Santa. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, now we're just talking nonsense. So, you know, like 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 I said, I think that the shoes are are cool to to let the players show their creativity. And maybe I'm just an asshole. No, you're not. Like you're. It looks. Right, like it doesn't look right when Zach Levine's wearing his neon green shoes when he's got you know white or black or red on, like. But you know that's part of being an NBA player. You use that platform. You, I got, I want to wear this pair of shoes today. You know, when when you, when we go hoop at LA, we wear whatever color we want, right? Yeah, but there's no cameras on us. At least that's I what hope not. That's what you think. <laughs> so I hope not. You're gonna see yourself on on ESPN top ten. Those fadeaways. I'll I see know. myself on Shaq and a fool. Are you kidding me? Ah, no. All right, well, that should be about it for today. Again, nothing nothing really going on with the team, but with these episodes, it gives us, you know, basically free reign to talk about whatever we want as Bulls fans, just taking time to appreciate the old players, teams that we've seen, especially through our lifetime. Um, we have, we've had, you know, not, we didn't, me and Kevin didn't get to live through the Jordan era, so we got to appreciate the, the first teams we paid attention to and then where the teams are now. And just appreciating the sport of basketball because it's changed so much in the last decade. And like like we talked about, it's always changing. In the sport of basketball, it's a movement. And I feel like it's growing and it's at a higher interest than ever. So it's great that, you know, we can we can celebrate that together. One more thing. So. Completely forgot about this at the beginning of the episode. Do you see Bleacher Report's ranking of the starting lineups? The best I think we were 18th, lineups. right? 18th. Wow. With three all-stars in the lineup. With three, yeah. I, I'm a little lost. Um, Four all stars, and, and this is assuming that Lonzo Ball is in the starting lineup, obviously, because that's the construction of our team right now. And I assume when you say four all stars, you are assuming that Lonzo Ball will be an all star eventually. Eventually, yeah. If he's yeah. if if he's got a, a a large enough role in offense, like the dude has all star potential. Um, I, I mean, I think I'll I think I've heard that from not just Bulls fans, like NBA players and insiders right. and stuff like that. But so I, I I'm saying four all stars because. Because they should be putting more respect on this team. So 18? Eight, yeah, that's not right, man. I, I can't name 18 starting lineups better than the Chicago Bulls starting lineup. I'm get like, the Mavericks, like, I, I already know. That's the first thing that came to mind. The Mavericks and the Hawks probably got both above the Bulls. And there's no way their starting lineups are better. No. I, they might have more potential in their lineups. Like, Luka and Trey Young are two of the top players in the league. But, come on, dude. We have Zach Levine, two-time All-Star. DeMar DeRozan, multiple, what, probably eight. Eight, nine all-star selections, something like that. Vooch, two or three-time all-star. And then you got Lonzo Ball at the worst and Patrick Williams at the worst as your non-all-stars. Like, right. come on, man. I mean, excluding the play-in, 16 teams make the playoffs, right? Right. I, I have a point. I'm going somewhere with this. Oh, I know what you're 16 teams make the playoffs, and I 
understand that it's not as simple as the best starting lineups make the playoffs. I'm not saying that. However, there is something to say about the strength of your starting lineup. It's the core of your team. It's the most important part. Um, and your role players are just an asset that goes along with it. So in what world is our starting lineup looking from the outside in on the playoffs? And and like you said, you're ranking the starting lineups. If you're just ranking them based on talent, that's fine. If you're ranking them based on like the team and how they've done as a team, then the Bulls will still be above a lot of the teams because like I think a good example is the Hawks. Now they have a really good starting lineup because they have they address their biggest need is backcourt defense and they got DeJounte Murray. But if you're saying that that team's better than the Bulls based on talent, that starting lineup, it's not because the Bulls have more talent in their starting lineup. And if you're saying that that team's better because, you know, they've gone farther in the playoffs or they have more wins, they you don't know that. They haven't played together yet, that starting lineup. So either way, the Bulls should be above a lot of these teams. I'm, I know I'm calling out the Hawks, but I'm just using them as an example. I'm not saying the Bulls should be one, but I think top 10. I think top 10 in the NBA. In terms of just, I think this, in my opinion, the list of rankings is just off of talent on the team because a lot of teams have new starting lineups that they've never brought out before. So you can't rank them on how they performed as a team because, you know, they haven't played together yet. But the Bulls have three all-stars, a borderline all-star, and some really good young talent in their starting lineup. And I just don't see a way that that, that, that team is 18 in their in their ranking. So, I'm looking at the article right now. I hate to call out teams, but I need to know specifically. I've already looked at this once. Um, I know a few have upset me greatly. Um, obviously, we're better than the Hawks. You know, the Knicks were 19. I think if the Knicks oh, got put up, on, I think if the Knicks got put above us, I might actually. There's no way that we're um, one up above the Knicks, man. Lose my mind. Um, so the Portland Trailblazers are 17. <laughs> are you serious? Dude? I'm serious. I don't. I don't understand. Like, like respect to Damian Lillard, he's amazing. But besides him, like, so they have Anthony Simmons. He's obviously very good, but. Unproven in a lot of ways. Young guy. Um, they have Josh Hart. Okay. Obviously, they acquired Jeremy Grant. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yusuf Nurkic. Good center. I, I, they have one all-star in that I, team, I dude. have no idea. They have one all-star. You're telling me that Vooch is better than Nurkic. DeMar's better than Josh Hart. Zach's better than, than Anthony Simons. Grant's better than P. Will right now, and then Lillard's better than Lonzo right now, but come on. We have three all-stars in our lineup, and you're telling me that the team that uh, whatever, man. I'm not I, it's, that's, that's The Raptors ridiculous. are 16. I don't hate that. I understand. They're a balanced it. team. They're, again, if you're going off of town alone, I still think the Bulls are, are a lot higher than the Raptors, but I'm not too mad at the Raptors being there. Now, here's one that is confusing it goes back to that point that you were making about there's a difference between talent in the starting lineup and team as a whole, performance, all that stuff. So the Heat are 15. Um, they might seem a little low, but at the same time, you have to understand that Kyle Lowry, who had a down year, didn't even play for the full season, is their point guard. Okay. Max Struess, um definitely had a good year for himself, but 
not anything particularly crazy. Duncan Robinson, who's you know a shooting specialist and had an off year shooting last year. Then you got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I don't know how much better that starting lineup is than the Bulls. Well, I'm Jimmy it's Butler amazing to see their backcourt. Like they're one through three. Like Robinson didn't play in the playoffs. Struess is you know came from the G League and Kyle Lowry played half the season last year. Like if that's their starting lineup, then they got. I mean, I'm guessing Hero's going to start. Sure. But, but regardless, yeah, the Bulls how much are, better the Bulls sound a lot better than that team. That's what, on paper. Like, that's what I'm Jimmy's saying. Jimmy's obviously a dog. It, it's but. one of those situations where you look at how they played last season, and you're like, okay, well, they're 15. That seems a little low. But then you look specifically at their starting lineup, and I'm like, that seems a little high. Did these did these did this writer not see the Bulls play when they were healthy? Like the Bulls, when we had our starting lineup that they wrote about, were the top team in the East. So I, I just don't get the disrespect. And we can go through all the teams, you know. No, I'm not going to go through all of them. No, I'm, I'm just saying we can go through all the teams. And I think, like, at least, you know, I'd say 9 or 10, somewhere in there is probably a good fit for the Bulls. And that might be a bit high, but not 18, man. Not 18. It's just disrespectful. No, I, I, you know, all we, all we can hope is that the Bulls come out this year, they're healthy, and they just prove people wrong. Because we saw that people were jumping on the on the hype about the team last year and then quickly – you know, hopped off of it once the Bulls started losing again late in the season. But like 18 is a starting lineup with three all-stars. There's not a lot of teams in the, in the league with three all-stars in their starting lineups. I'll tell you that right now. No. There's uh, not a lot of teams y- with that. Y- this is what I'll tell you. Final thought on this. If we were somewhere around even 12, um, which would be right behind the Cavaliers. No, they did not put the Cavaliers at 11. They're at 11. No, dude. I don't necessarily agree with that, but if we put if we were put at 12, I would be way more understanding than us sitting at 18. Obviously, the Cavaliers are unproven, but, the, you know, they had a great stretch last season. Um, I Darius can't say Garland. anything anymore after that, dude. <laughs> that's, 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 that's actually triggering. Well, let's give the Cavs some credit. No, here, they though. had a great year last year, but... And they're, they've got... A pretty well constructed starting lineup, right? But Garland, Levert, who honestly, you know, as I'm saying, Levert didn't play very well. But Lowry, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, I mean, they have a pretty damn. It's good not starting bad, lineup. but I still don't think it's better than the Bulls. And you know, you call me biased, but come on, dude. No, the Cavs dude, have had one you. good I, year with that lineup, and I, I, not necessarily on the Cavaliers front of it, but I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, it's the disrespect. I think it's just always going to be this way. Yeah, I think we're always going to be for every Chicago sports team. It feels like disrespected. It doesn't matter what we have. Right. We could have Kevin Durant on this team too, and we'd still be. They're twelve. They're they're twenty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they'd be lucky to. The chemistry won't work. Yeah, that's always something. Anyway, Bulls fans, we're getting a little bit uh, on a rant again, which is what we usually do every every episode. But it's uh, it's been a fun one again, being able to just talk about whatever we want without any Bulls news. Appreciate you listening. If you can give us um, some follows on our social media, uh, make sure to share the podcast, comment on, you know, with any questions or anything we should talk about in the future. We're always on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So make sure to check us out. If you miss any of our previous episodes, go listen to those two. We're continuing to try to grow this thing. We're working towards the season, preseason, training camp. Just hang with us through this dry season. We're going to try to make these episodes as fun and uh, as you know, entertaining as possible. 
and uh, Kevin. Uh, yeah, just make sure you follow us on Twitter. Oh, yeah, definitely. Follow us on Twitter. That's where we do mainly our interaction with the social media. We post all our episode links on there. Uh, we do reactions to news. You know, we, we're interactive with the fans on there. So always stay on Twitter, turn on notifications, and then uh, at the Run With Us Pod. At the Run With Us Pod, yes, sir. Thanks That's for the, the calls, thing, Kevin. too. Um, since we're we're in that dry spell this season, if you guys hit us up on Twitter or really any of our platforms, um, and you guys have ideas that you want to hear, that you want to hear us talk about, anything like that, let us know. I mean, we'll take great suggestions. We can make, we can have fun with any of this stuff, man. So if you guys have any specific thing about the Bulls um, or about the NBA that you want us to talk about, hit us up. No problem at all. I mean, we, we read everything. So, <laughs> All right, Bulls fans, thanks again for listening, and always run with us. Run with us.